Hi, I'm RJ Baxter with realestatetalkdenver.com and I'm here with Doug Pike of Colorado's Home Real Estate in Evergreen. And uh, Doug is joining us today to talk a little bit more about mountain properties and what to think about if you're buying a house in a place like Evergreen. But before we get into that, tell us a little bit more about yourself, Doug. Um, I'm the owner of Colorado's Home Real Estate Group. I've mm -hmm. uh, opened that brokerage firm about three years ago. I've been in real estate for 14 years total. Um, okay. I specialize in the mountain area. I grew up in Evergreen and primarily work in the Evergreen area, Haiwan Hills, Haiwan, Troutdale. Um, really try to focus on uh, providing consumers with a lot of information about mountain properties because they're so different from metro area properties. Okay. And what made you get interested in real estate? Why did you decide to get into it? I was honestly kind of born into it. Uh, my dad was in a form of land conservation in Evergreen for many years, and my mom was in real estate for 30 years. Okay. So I uh, had a lot of interesting conversations around the dinner table and not really sure I had any other option to do anything else. <laughs> yep, sometimes it's that way. Um, well, awesome. Well, we're, we appreciate you being on the show today. Thanks and, for having um, you're, you, you have a unique perspective on mountain properties, living up there your whole life, uh, doing business up there. So we thought it'd be really valuable to people listening to the show to talk a little bit more about what to expect with properties up there, because it sure. is different. It's it is, absolutely, very, very different. It's definitely yeah. a different market. So yeah. um, so I, I guess to start off, what are some of the differences between homes that you see in the mountains versus in the city, some, sure. of, the, some of the general differences? Um, well, if you make just sort of general comparisons, let's say Highlands Ranch or Lakewood or Arvada, mm -hmm. a lot of those homes have all been um, built by developers that did sort of the same thing, same floor plans, same construction type, mm -hmm. and Evergreen is completely different. A lot of Evergreen was, especially from the 60s, 70s, and 80s, an individual bought a piece of land and they went and found an architect and they went and found a builder and all mm -hmm. things are very, very specific to those homes. So where you can build a general consensus for what you'll find in homes in the metro area, Evergreen, it truly is, each individual home can be completely separate. There are some areas of Evergreen that were built in the late 80s and 90s and 2000s that are a little bit more conforming, mm -hmm. but universally people move to the mountains because they're looking for something unique, they're looking for something to make their own, and a lot of homes in Evergreen really offer them that. Yeah, it's definitely unique up there. Very, very unique. <laughs> we see yeah. a lot of very yeah. interesting things. Yeah. Um, and from and from what I've experienced, it's very similar in other mountain areas, Conifer, Indian Hills. Yeah, Pine um, Junction, Bailey. Yeah, yep. yeah. Absolutely. All those areas. Yep, it, and it is. It's uh, People move up there so they can kind of do their own thing a lot of times, and that's that's what the majority of mountain homes provide is an opportunity for people to, to mm. kind of make a home their own. And, and when they were originally built, they were built to make the home their own. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So what kinds of things do people have to be aware of in the real estate transaction? Um, sure. Things like the lot and... Yeah, so um, lot lines are very unusual in Evergreen oftentimes, uh, where again, where you would see in the metro area, you've got a subdivision and almost all the lot lines are, are standardized or conforming, mm -hmm. very unique in Evergreen. You could have one point of your property that's uh, 100 yards away from the house and another point of your property that's 20 yards away from the house and just very unique lot sizes. 
that comes into play for people who want to do permitting or build garages or additions or things like that. They need to be aware of where all of the lot lines are. A lot of times also there are easements for access and ingress and mm -hmm. egress or when a neighbor is going to access your property to get to their home because things are not as developed, uh, not developed in a straightforward way with where the county roads go versus where your driveway is. Um, how utilities are coming into a property, uh -huh. both water and sewer or electrical and gas. Uh, there's just sort of a lot of things that are, are kind of unique. Well, and we see a lot of uh, situations where things are grandfathered in too. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Be before some of the rules were put into mm -hmm. place. Yep, and, and I mentioned the roads, um, oftentimes, especially from a lending standpoint, that can get unique because you may have some private roads that aren't maintained by the county. And For sure. everybody wants to know, well, if there were to be something that went wrong, if we need emergency vehicles or a fire truck to come in here, and this is a road that's not maintained by the county, and we have a snowstorm, how's that being handled? And yep. a lot of times I know that, that lenders are interested in that too. Oh, for sure, and they wanna know who's gonna maintain the road. Um, all these kinds of things can be issues that come up. Yeah. And then, and then you, as you mentioned, the lot lines, I mean, we've had situations where some, someone has a lot where the there's a real skinny part of the lot where the driveway goes down. We had one in particular near uh, Pine where at the very end of the driveway, it went across another lot right before it hit the street. Mm -hmm. And no one had the easement for the driveway and it was uh, yeah. quite a process to get that track down. It really, w w the, the mountain area is modernizing a lot more, but for a long period of time, it was truly the Wild West. And if this was the way that we did things, then it was fine and nobody asked any questions. But well, and that's how it was with this particular one. It was just kind of like, well, we've always driven across there. It's no big deal. Yeah. And the neighbor's like, yeah, it's no big deal. And from a lender's perspective, they want something in writing. Yeah, they want to know. Because they, they want to know that the neighbor's not going to just all of a sudden decide to put up a fence. Yep, and then you can't get to your house. Yeah, and then you can't get to your house, exactly. Yep. Definitely, definitely. So it, it, there's just a lot of pretty unique animals in the mountain area that, that yeah. go beyond just the home itself. For sure. What about, uh, people ask us a lot about well and septic. Sure. What should people think about with that? Um, lot to be aware of. Uh, again, to kind of piggyback from the lending standpoint, you always want to make sure that you have potable water. And a lot of people mm -hmm. don't think about that, uh, if, especially if you're coming from the metro area. There's usually a, a municipal district that just makes sure your water is potable for you. They do all mm -hmm. of the testing. They make sure that the mineral content, et cetera, et cetera, is all okay. There's no one to do that when you have a well. You're really responsible for that. Mm -hmm. So you always want to do well testing to make sure that you don't have any bacterial problems in your well. Um, some folks are really concerned about radon. You think that radon is something that just appears in your home as radon gas, but it can also appear in your water. So people are, mm -hmm. are well aware of that. Different types of uh, metal contents in your water. So yep. you can do a lot of very exhaustive testing with a well. And, and a lot of times lenders are, are wanting to make sure that there is potable water to the home as well. If you've got a really high bacteria count in your well, something to be concerned about. And there's always different ways you can remediate it, but something that as a new home buyer, you really, really want to be aware of is doing your appropriate well testing. For um, sure. And then septic, the, septic's just a, a, an entirely different animal as well. Um, septic tanks usually need to be pumped out every couple of years. Um, there, mm -hmm. are, there are recycling septic tanks, gray water septic tanks, there are leach fields. There are all kinds of different sanitary systems in the mountains that are dependent on the lot, again, that are dependent on where your neighbors are, where your well is. You have to have a certain distance from your well for septic systems. And that's totally different yes. than the metro area where you just have a sewer and you don't really worry about it. So there's a lot more 
um, proactive requirements that need to be, uh, that homeowners need to be aware of when they have septic systems and when they have wells to make sure that everything's functioning properly. And it's not a scary thing, it's just sort of a, a maintenance thing. And that's one of the things that you get when you move to mountains. For sure, and, and, and laws have changed through the years. And, and it's again, the grandfather thing. We've seen situations where maybe the leach field from the septic is too close to the well, mm -hmm. but 50 years ago that was okay. Yeah, And they, they make these changes in regulations for a reason yeah. because it's not sanitary. So. Yep. Yeah, the um, science tells us a lot, yeah. Yeah. Um, and and most for the most part, the counties, uh, Jefferson County, Park County, um, a lot of these counties are starting to recognize the importance of these things. So they're also putting some requirements on transactions. Jefferson County has a use permit requirement, which says if you're gonna sell a home, you have to get a use permit through them. And through yep. that process, you get a, a septic inspection, a, a approved provider comes out and pumps the tank for you and inspects the tank and makes sure there aren't cracks, things like that. And then that goes to the county and the county says, yeah, you're okay to buy this house because we've inspected it. So there are really starting to be some good checks to the system as well, where as a consumer, you're not just out on your own trying to figure this out and making sure that it's okay. Well, and, and health and uh, regulations aside, you also don't want a $10,000 problem six months after you move oh, into a house. Oh, absolutely not. So. Well, and you know, again, the mountains are so unique. I've seen $40,000, $50,000 septic oh, sure, systems yeah. where the engineering yeah. behind it is is pretty exhaustive. So yeah, they can be some unwelcome surprises. Um, always do your home inspections. Be aggressive in your home inspections. In yeah, 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 yeah. Anyone that thinks they don't need a home inspection is crazy, yeah. especially in the mountains. Absolutely, yep. There are professionals yeah. there for a reason. Absolutely. So here's a question we get sometimes, and I'm sure you have clients that ask about this. How, how difficult is it to buy a lot in a mountain area, especially evergreen, conifer, sure. and build a house? Um, well, it's not difficult, it's expensive. Um, so okay. just kind of, th these numbers always change from a trending standpoint, but lots are uh, reasonably priced depending on what you want flatter lots, um, lots that are located closer to townships or, mm. or more traveled areas obviously are more expensive. The cheaper lots usually have um, more costs required to them. So you could find a lot that is great acreage um, mm. and not very expensive, but it's probably on a hill, a steep hill. So that means if right. you're going to build, there are a lot of costs associated with sure. engineering and, and earth moving and sort of all of those different components. I have a lot of clients that, um, especially how Colorado's market is right now with, with the scarcity of the inventory, will say, we're just gonna buy a lot and we're gonna build. And what I always have them do is take a look at the numbers. So using North Evergreen, for instance, um, price per square foot is anywhere between 215 to $250 a square foot. To build, you're probably 315 to 350 a square foot. So you're not necessarily getting yeah. a deal if you wanna buy a lot and you wanna build compared to finding a home that, that is already a, a fit for you. Um, and that's just kind of a, there are a lot of different factors that go into that, but it's labor scarcity and it's cost of materials and all of those sorts of things. And all the infrastructure, we were just talking about putting well and septic in or running your gas lines. Those are all really, really expensive things that a lot of times buyers don't think about outside of just building mm -hmm. a home and getting your walls up. Yes. Um, so, so it's really something to, to consider as far as costs are concerned. It's great to be able to make it your own, but you certainly pay for it. Yeah, for sure. It's going to have to be someplace that you, cause just because you want to build a new house that's one that you design, 
would be probably the primary yeah. Um, yeah. focus. Yep, and um, and there's just a lot to consider. Like everything else in, in the mountain area, the everything has always been built for the highest and best use. So yep. the really, really attractive lots are usually really expensive. And the cheaper lots that you find that, um, that are a little bit more affordable, that are ones that you can make your own, just have more requirements to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And it'll be interesting also to see what happens with, uh, this is a whole other podcast probably, but with the tariffs, if that continues, what that's going to do to raw materials and building costs yes. long term. Um, yes. And actually, um, just came out uh, briefly that for the first time in 2018, the, the costs of wood materials dropped uh, third quarter, which was actually nice. They didn't drop a lot because they mm. were way up for 2018. Yes. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if that has any type of impact because otherwise, yeah, the tariffs have had a huge impact on, on cost of construction. And yeah. then you, you compound that with the labor shortage in Colorado and yeah. it's really expensive. Well, I know that with um, some of the natural disasters that were happening, like the Florida hurricanes, they were um, pulling labor yes. from here too and mm-hmm. paying people twice what they made here. So then there was even bigger shortage for builders. Yep. yep. Um, there was a builder, I think it was, I can't remember which builder it was, but up in the Candela's area mm. that I was talking to recently. Sure. Well, not recently, this is probably eight months ago. And they had their, their entire operation practically halted for yeah. A month or two because of a natural disaster. Yep, that that happened and, um, with Houston last year um, with the floods in Houston. They just they came up here and pulled a ton. That of actually might be it. it was, I yeah. think it was more like twelve months ago when yeah. that was happening. Yeah, but, and they just took all of the laborers yeah. out of Colorado and, yeah. and pulled them down. And there. they had to push yeah. closings on mm-hmm. all these new builds. And yep, just because they didn't have the labor. Yep, exactly. Yeah, that's that's it, that's another component. Is uh, you buy a new build home, you might. You might be scheduled for a three-month or a six-month closing, but if you read that contract carefully, it's a year closing that they have the right to delay, or two-year closing that they have the right to delay. So, I'll, yeah. not just Evergreen, but read read your uh, new build contracts carefully. Yeah, some builders <laughs> deliver on it, but it's yeah, <laughs> all too often they they delay it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, awesome. Any, any other thoughts on mountain properties before we uh, wrap it up here? Um, no, um, just uh, it, it's very important for consumers to make sure that the representation they have in the process is someone who's familiar with mountain properties. This isn't a thing like the metro area where you can kind of jump on Google and get to know a neighborhood in 15 minutes. Um, You really need to make sure that the agent that you're working with in the mountain area understands mountain properties. There's there's just so much that goes into the process that's beyond what we've talked about um, that, that consumers a lot of times can just kind of, as you said, you don't want any surprises. And consumers can be right. in their home for a couple of months and go, I sure wish I knew about all that. So so right. just make sure that whomever you're working with you understands mountain properties and, and all of the complexities to that. Well, and all the professionals involved, lender, uh, insurance, yes. all, all this stuff is important with understanding how those processes work so you don't run into problems. Yes, and, it's all unique. It's absolutely yes. very unique to mountain properties. And, and assembling a team that that understands those properties, mm-hmm. to your point, from, from insurance to inspection to lending to your realtor. They all need to understand what they're getting into. Well, and then just understanding living in those areas mm-hmm. and what to expect in different neighborhoods. Yep. If you're new to the area, it's so important because really, I mean, Evergreen, for example, we got the three-way stoplight downtown. And if you're on the south side versus the north side, it could be 25-minute difference driving to Denver. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, well, that's that 
instead of Googling something, I've, I've got clients that'll work in the Denver Tech Center or downtown and they want to live in the mountains. And they said, well, I Googled my drive time and it was 45 minutes and I can do that. And I said, well, if you, Google says that, but if you have a snowstorm, that drive time doubles and you're going to have plenty of snowstorms. Or yes. to your point, if you get stuck at that stoplight and there's 15, 20 cars, that adds 25 minutes to your commute. So it is really... Or, or a herd of elk. Yeah. <laughs> or a herd of elk. <laughs> Which yep. we see all too often. Yep. Plenty of herds of elk. Um, yep. Yeah, because if you're just looking at properties online in Evergreen, for example, there's great deals up Brook Forest or yep. South Side, but comparatively, they seem like good deals compared to North Side, but people pay more for the North Side yes. because of that reason. Yep. You're exactly so, right. Mm -hmm. uh, having someone that understands those neighborhoods and how long it's going to take to get down the hill or to different shopping to the grocery store yep. and schools and all that kind of stuff yep. is so important. All important decisions. Yeah, absolutely. And again, to your point, you just don't want those surprises after you've bought the house. For sure. You want to know ahead of time. Yeah. Well, we like to end each podcast with three questions to all of our guests. So sure. I'm just going to ask them to you. Sure. The first one is, um, what's your favorite place to go in Colorado? Um, there is a pass outside of uh, Buena Vista on the way to, um, uh, it's called Cottonwood Pass. It's sort of, you can get oh, to yeah. Gunnison and a yeah. bunch of different areas out there. And um, it's a lot busier now, but when I was growing up, that was the place my parents always took us to and there was just never anyone up there. And uh -huh. we do camping trips and fishing trips and that's a pretty neat place. I really like Cottonwood Pass. That is a beautiful area. I love those collegiate peaks yep, down there. Exactly, yep, it's a beautiful area. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, the next one is, do you have a book that you'd recommend to our audience? Um, you know, since we're talking about Colorado, uh, specifically with the differences in, in areas, um, John Fielder has a set, he's a, he's a photographer, he's a Colorado guy, but he's a, a photographer that does these really neat series of books that he gets old pictures, 100, 150 year old pictures, and then he goes to all of those same places currently mm. within Colorado, and he does sort of a then and now, and the, it's a big series by John Fielder. And they're just really cool to see the transition of Colorado and, and all of the different areas and what's happening. He'll do rural areas, he'll do metropolitan areas. And so mm -hmm. it's certainly not, not a, um, a self-help or uh, uh, kind of a novel, <laughs> right. but it, it's, they're really, really cool books for That Colorado. sounds neat. Yeah. That's, that sounds like a really good coffee table type yes. book. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, cool. we, we have a couple on our Nice. <laughs> um, and then the last question is, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Um, I, I would probably want to be able to control time. Um, I've got a uh, three-year-old and a five-year-old and uh, stuff just goes too fast. So that, Tell me that, about it. That's what I would pick. Yeah. You, mine, you, mine are 10 and 12 yep. now and I know what you're talking about. Yep. We are... Um, already eyeing down high school yeah. soon. Yep. It's crazy. It seems surreal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for being on the show, Doug. Yeah, absolutely. That was, that was really interesting Thanks information. Yeah. So once again, my name is RJ Baxter with realestatetalkdenver.com. And this is Doug Pike with Colorado's Home Real Estate. Thanks for joining us today and have a great day.